This is the Stuff You Missed, Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here is your host for the Stuff You Missed Podcast, Dennis Cox. Coming up on today's show, lots of reactions to Thursday night football and the late game scuffle between Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns and Mason Rudolph of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Discussions about UNC football's loss at Pitt yesterday. And Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News joins the David Glenn Show to talk college basketball. In the waning moments of last night's Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers game, Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph had his helmet pulled off by Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett. Garrett used that helmet moments later to swing it at Mason Rudolph, striking him in the head. Mike Golick on Golick and Wingo this morning said it was something he had never seen in an NFL game. I've never heard one person that has ever strapped on a shoulder pads or a helmet in, in, in the short time, really, it's been, and we'll hear more today, not one person even remotely trying to justify the move, uh, forgetting ripping the helmet off, because we've seen that before, but then actually swinging it at a player and open connecting on that player as well. It's one of the most egregious things that can be done on a football field. Mike Golick shares what he feels the suspension should be for Miles Garrett. It should be, what I'll say, is whatever number is allowed by the max of the CBA of what's been negotiated. It yes. should be that. If they wanted to even try and go over that and make the, C- the, the, the union appeal, fine. But it should be whatever the, whatever the max is allowed, that should be a no-brainer and should be put out this morning. ESPN NFL analyst Damian Woody says no one should defend Miles Garrett's actions. Regardless of what Mason Rudolph did, and I'm not, and I'm not letting Mason Rudolph off the hook what no. he did, but I'm also, you know, for all the people out there trying to give Miles Garrett an out, yeah, it's just ridiculous, stop, okay? Yeah, just stop. I don't want to even want to hear it. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And the fact that the game was in hand, you won the game, and because of your act, now the team's best player gone. is gone. It might be gone for the rest of the yep. season. ESPN NFL insider Field Gates was also on with Golik and Wingo this morning, and he says this is going to put an ugly mark on Garrett's career. Miles Garrett has all the talent in the world. I don't think that prior to last night a lot of people associated Miles Garrett as somebody that was a decidedly dirty player. But going forward, he is always going to have a target. stain on rep- Yeah, he's going to have a target, and his reputation will be stained. Maybe it's a light stain, but it will be stained. Maybe it's not a light stain. Um, going forward, he will be labeled and believed by many in the court of public opinion of being that guy that took the unnecessary and the <laughs> foolish and the ridiculous swing with his helmets. Like it, we have, we see lapses of judgment on the field in sports all the time, but this doesn't even feel like a lapse in judgment. This feels like bad intentions, the cruelest of intentions with what became a weapon last night. Trey Wingo says this incident will forever follow Miles Garrett. When you say the words Albert Hainsworth, the only two things that come to mind are stomping on Andre Girard uh, when he was uh, when he was helmetless and, on and the ground, bleeding on the field in 2006, and quitting on the Washington Redskins. Uh, when when you say uh, run our test, one of the first things that comes to mind is the malice at the palace. He he's got to understand understand quickly. This is going to stick with him much longer than he wants it to. You're listening to stuff you missed. The best of 99.9 The Fan. I'm your host Dennis Cox. Mike Golick on Golick and Wingo this morning says the undisciplined play of the Cleveland Browns has been there all season. This is a team that's been hurting themselves all year. Again, they lead in penalties accepted. They lead in penalty yards. So, I mean, they have been undisciplined all year long. This, again, took it to a new level, and no one even on the Browns is is, is excusing it. They are all right. doing exactly what they – there should be no person that ever put shoulder pads on 
in this game that should even be close to justifying what happened, whether you're a teammate of the guy or not. I know you always have the back of your teammate, but still, when it's something like this, you have to say, love the guy, but he was so wrong in this situation. ESPN insider Field Gates on Golik and Wingo this morning talks about the undisciplined culture at Cleveland. We talk about the standard as a standard. Mike Tomlin sort of uses that line notably. The standard for the Browns is that, like, undisciplined play, I'm not going to say is going to be rewarded, but it's not going to be punished in a way that perhaps other teams would treat it with. You know, I just, it's not that Miles Garrett's actions last night were direct trickle, it were like an, you know, an immediate trickle down of the Browns' problems with penalties. But what it is, is like you go a couple of levels down and you think about that. Basically, it just, what it stems to is a lack of discipline a lack of perspective on accountability. On Sports Channel 8, the radio show, heard from 10 to noon here on The Fan, Ben Swain shares his thoughts on people's reactions to last night's fight. Read and heard all of the takes, right, Right. about this guy should never play football again, this is Mm -hmm. unacceptable, and and so on and so on. I went immediately to the box score to see that Kareem Hunt had six carries in the game. Lost in the shuffle there, right? A guy who caught on video... Yeah. Uh, beating a woman in a hallway of a hotel, I believe, and yeah. then had another uh, incident where he assaulted somebody outside of the football. And again, like the, the take is, this happens three steps outside of the stadium. That Miles Garrett is in jail and he's never playing football. Mm-hmm. Come on, the, the NFL is going to take a way harder stance on this than they've ever taken on anything that they should have taken a hard stance on. Chip Patterson of CBS Sports and the Cover 3 podcast was also on Sports Channel 8, the radio show today, and he shares his concerns on how the rematch between the Browns and the Steelers is going to be portrayed. It makes me uncomfortable that the NFL is still going to sell us the rematch like it's a boxing match. Yeah, and we can remember the Steelers... Bengals game from not too long, a couple years ago, that descended into absolute chaos. Like so I was, we don't want to do that. I was yeah, listening to going, an update where it's like, and these teams are playing on December first, and what is now must see <laughs> yeah. TV. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. We cannot be finger waving yeah. at the violent human being for behaving too violently. You know, we can we can punish him, yeah, and we yeah. we can say that action is has no place on the football field. But don't then turn around and be like, yeah. isn't it going to be great? Yeah. I wonder if more punches are going to be thrown <laughs> in the rematch. How- Suspensions were handed down from last night's incident. Miles Garrett has been suspended indefinitely with a minimum of the 2019 regular season and postseason as part of that ban. Marquise Pouncey of the Steelers was suspended three games, and Cleveland's Larry Ogunjobi was suspended one game as well. Both teams were also fined a quarter of a million dollars. Bomani Jones of ESPN was on with Adam and Joe this afternoon. He gives his reactions to the suspensions and how quarterback Mason Rudolph of the Steelers did not receive one. I am not surprised that he did not, but I do think that it's a little wonky that he did not. Like I said on television, remember with the malice in the palace, Ben Wallace got suspended in that because he played a role in instigating the matter, Mm -hmm. right? So I thought that the NFL today, their big thing was we need to let everybody know that we brought the hammer to Miles Garrett. Can't have people thinking this is out of control. Okay, cool. The one-game suspension for the uh, Ogan Joby who came late, yeah. I thought that was a bit much. I thought Pouncey got off easy, only getting three games for that. Frankly. I think that one was out of respect. I think that was like, <laughs> yeah, anybody would we do that. We get it. We, we get it. We get the anger. Bomani Jones also talks about statements made by Mason Rudolph's agent about possible legal action. But- Yo, his agent came out and said that they were going to explore their legal options. You can't. Herb. You lost the fight. You can't. Now, granted, I think that this other guy went a little too far in terms of his willingness to win the fight, right? But come on, dog. Right. You absolutely were. You wanted to smoke. Problem was, you didn't realize it was a fire. 
But he absolutely <laughs> instigated this. He pushed for this. It wasn't like he was trying to retreat. And, uh, the only time he tried to retreat is after he got clocked. And I was amazed that his reflexes were basically to look for a flag. I was like, amazing. Is that what it is to be yeah. a quarterback? He should play. He should play basketball. Actually, ESPN legal analyst Ryan Smith was also on with Adam and Joe this afternoon, and he talks about how the legal system views sporting events differently than everyday life. Seems like Garrett knowingly tried to cause harm to Mason Rudolph. That would be enough for an assault case in the real world. But in the football field, prosecutors tend to be a little bit shy to say, "Let's go ahead and put ourselves on the football field and try to legislate that activity through charges and criminal actions," because. Would that make players gun shy? Would that make players on the field say, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this or tackle this guy this way because I might get charged? They see it as a bit of a different animal. And so there's a, there's a higher burden for them in terms of presenting charges. Ryan Smith also wonders if Mason Rudolph is willing to actually pursue charges. But the idea here is, okay, you want to do that. Do you want that life? That's number one. Let's say you do. You want to go push this forward. What's he looking at? You mentioned the hockey case with McSorley. That was probation. No jail time. What's the result of what you will get for all the time and energy that has to be put into investigating this? And by the way, this means, as I said earlier, that prosecutors would actually bring charges. So I think there's a lot of mitigating factors, including the idea if they investigated this thing, they're going to look into all the circumstances around this. What <laughs> yeah. was happening in the game? What did Mason Rudolph do? Grabbing at his helmet. What did he all say? Right. Matters. Exactly. What did he say? UNC football fell on the road last night at Pitt 34-27 to in overtime. Ben Swain on Sports Channel 8, the radio show, heard from 10 to noon on the fan, says that everything is balancing out in terms of football in the triangle. Here's what I get to. UNC is now, what, 4-6? and six? Is that right? right? They Correct. Got, they got Mercer yeah. and NC State they left. They have to win out to become bowl eligible. It, it Duke, North Carolina, and NC State, it does not matter the path that they take to get to mediocrity. They're going to end up mediocre. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, yeah, we can debate if they got screwed by the refs last night or, you know, defense should have gotten a stop at some point. But it's, it's ultimately – Everything regressing to the mean, and uh, UNC football is what it is. Chip Patterson of CBS Sports also weighs in on UNC versus Pitt. North Carolina football is just always going to be destined for the same game where its drives to tie the game are kept alive by defensive pass interference, and then you get to complain (laughs) about the holding penalty on the other side. So, uh, I mean – there were some some drops by North Carolina's wide receivers. Sam Howell was a little bit off at times in the second half. They defense got off to a horrible start. Chip Patterson also talks about how Pitt approaches their ACC games. Pittsburgh brought that fight. Did y'all see the little skirmish before the game? A little bit of game. Little saw bit that. chippy. Yeah, yeah Pitt Mac, likes that. Mac Brown was not okay with it. So you know we mm. talk about all this uh, this Dabo Doran beef. Nah, Narduzzi is starting beef with everybody yeah. in the coast. <laughs> ben Swain makes a comparison for the current Pitt football team. So we're talking about chippiness, and Pitt, yeah. I heard last night on the broadcast, is fifth in the country in penalties. Is Pitt the, the new you? Mm. Is, Pitt, yeah. is Pitt what Miami they are, strives to be? They are a top five in the FBS in sacks per game. I think they were actually number three or number two in the, in the country heading into the game last night, and they had five more sacks last night. So, yeah, they've got a little they've got a little defensive swag, a little chippiness, and bad quarterback play, or mediocre quarterback play, I, I guess I should say. Pickett's and, not, Kenny Pickett's not that bad. And they play in an empty NFL stadium. So it's, <laughs> Exactly it's well. like Miami. On Adam and Joe, heard from 3 to 6.30 here on The Fan. Joe Ovius talks about a possible scenario where both UNC football and NC State are going to both have five and six records going into their matchup at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, who do I think it's worse for? Let's say NC State ends up being on the losing end of this. North Carolina goes on to a bowl. That's a nightmare scenario. 
The worst. Nightmare scenario because it's Mac Brown's first season back. They got a dynamic quarterback in Sam Howell. They've been doing great on the recruiting trail. There's this, oh, crap. Max back and how quickly tables have turned on a mature program at NC State with Dave Dorn. They shouldn't be in this situation. It's our our in-state window suddenly closed. Like, right? what happened? Yeah. What happened, I right? I get it. Nightmare scenario. Joe Ovius also talks about how NC State fans would react to winning that game. Flip side of that is State beats North Carolina. They go to a bowl game. State fans are probably like, oh, great. Like, if you pour truth serum down, your, down their throat, State fans would probably be very much in the mode of, I guess they yeah, want to like I get on the ball, but it's more like all right. This season was kind of bad anyway, but sure, hey, let's cool go, let's, extra practice. Let's fine, go whatever. up to Annapolis and uh, take a swing at Army. But behind the scenes, it's ba- basically it's oh cool. You got all this love. You got all this publicity. Yeah, cool. You got some recruiting, but you still can't beat us. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's Larry. Doesn't matter if it's Mac. Can't beat us. Ovius also says what he really wants in that matchup between the two teams. I. Just need NC State to hold up their end of the bargain. Either win tomorrow, or win against Georgia Tech. Don't win both. Give me this five and six bowler bus business. I don't care if we have to do WWE style promos leading up to it. Lose your goals home ladder match. I don't care. Right? Just give this to me because you know people are going to be on edge Thanksgiving week. You're listening to Stuff You Miss, the best of 99.9 The Fan. I'm your host, Dennis Cox. Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News joined the David Glenn Show. Heard from noon to three here on The Fan. DeCourcy talked about the impact of underclassmen, not just freshmen one and duns, leaving for the NBA. The acceleration of the player who isn't likely to be a first-round pick or is a borderline first-round pick going and saying, yeah. eh, I played enough college hoops, I'm, I'm done. And and I think that Michigan's team that uh, that Jawan Howard's coaching is a really good example of that. They would have had Eddie Brasdakis on the wing. They'd have Jordan Poole on the wing. That would have been a pretty stout group of players. And you know, and and they they just say, you know what? I've gone as far as I'm as I'm going to go with this, and I think it's time to start making real money playing. I, I'm not condemning or uh, or or whatever that that circumstance, that action. But that's, that's, that's our reality. DeCourcy also talks about how programs are dependent on freshmen to contribute right away. You're, we're now dependent because the one-and-done guys go, and now we've got these guys going as well, the, the pool Brasdakis group going as well, uh, that you, have, you are very dependent on the quality of the freshman class to elevate the level of competition. And so when we get... The, the 2015 class, 2014 class that played in the 14-15 season, which had, at Duke has Okafor and Jones and Winslow, and at Kentucky has Towns and uh, and others, uh, 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 Trey Lyles. Uh, so it, you have so much ability that, I mean, it, it's just staggering. We don't have that now. DeCourcy also talks with DG about the current class of freshmen in college basketball. Uh, this is a good class. It's not great. Uh, and it's sort of spread out to... Uh, Memphis had the number one overall recruiting class with the number one player, the number 15 player, and a bunch of guys in the 30s. Yeah. I mean, that's just not been the way it's been the last five, six, seven years. Uh, and the, the level of ability of the number one player, Wiseman, special. And up the road, Cole Anthony, special. But it really starts to drain off when you get to five, six, seven, eight, nine, whoever that might be. The Carolina Hurricanes picked up another win last night, 5-4 to four on the road at Buffalo in overtime. Ben Swain on Sports Channel 8, the radio show, says who he feels is playing well right now for the Canes. 
Marty Natchez is just continuing to be on a hot streak. He's second among rookies in the NHL in points, uh, which, right. is, which is pretty sick. Dougie leads all defensemen in goals with nine. Mm-hmm. As compared to Justin Falk's zero goals that he has in St. Louis. Mm. Just throwing that out there. Dougie's uh, been on a heater so far this season. I think it's been the most fun to watch. The most important thing for the Canes right now is that Aho and Svech are starting to score goals in buckets. And those two guys, when they're on, that gives the Hurricanes five, six goal scoring threats that are among the best in the league, and you, that's really exciting. The crew also talked about the thrills of overtime hockey. Forget all the other football. Third period, <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was all about – third period in overtime, I was all about that game, and it was it was stressful, man. I didn't want to – like the Buffalo crowd was getting into it. Yep. It mm-hmm. kind of looked like they were going to storm back and take this thing, and I just imagined another one of those heartbreaking overtime losses that ends 17 seconds into the overtime, <laughs> yeah. and you just throw everything in the yeah. air. But, yeah, good to get the dub. Sudden death makes for just incredibly compelling Dude, three sports on three hockey is so Yeah, that too. Yeah. Whoa, awesome. there's a lot of ice out here. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of space, and we could lose just like that. It's uh, almost like when Permar's not in studio. Right, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Read a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony signed a non-guaranteed free agent contract with the Portland Trailblazers. ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler on with Golik and Wingo this morning likes the move for Portland. Because everybody else in the West got better, it felt a little stale. Like, right, when yeah. we've seen this team, they didn't really um, keep up with everybody in the West that added major pieces. So now they fall back to the pack. They're off to a rough start. They're, they've had some pretty bad injuries. Zach Collins is supposed to be their starting power forward this year. He's out for a few months. Um, they lack firepower. When you look at their shot distribution, literally McCollum take the vast majority of shots. You know, they're both smaller guys in the NBA, which means you take a lot of contested shots. That's why they're bottom 10 in the league in field goal percentage. Carmelo Anthony can help give them another guy that can put the ball in the basket. Legler also talks about how Anthony was not used properly in Houston. Yeah, he was playing 29 minutes. He was out on the floor. You might as well have given him a camera because he was just watching James Harden play. He was picking and popping and standing there and waiting. He wasn't being utilized for what he does well. So I believe if you tell him, listen, you're going to come off the bench, you're going to play the four, and you were, but when you're on the floor for that 18 minutes, we're going to give you the ball. We're going to let you ISO. We're going to run stuff designed for you to attack your man and score because we think you can still do it. Legler also says where he feels Anthony will be at his best. I think he'd be happier playing 18 minutes and feeling like Carmelo Anthony and playing the way that he has always played in that short amount of time than standing out there for 30 as a starter spotted up. I I just felt like he felt demeaned by that role. This is the Stuff You Missed, Best of 99.9 The Fan Podcast, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here is your host for the Stuff You Missed Podcast, Dennis Cox.